thanks for dialing into our podcast. We're the Light Church Bradford here in Yorkshire, England, a church committed to following Jesus and loving our city back to life again. We truly hope and pray this week's message helps you and encourages you on your journey, especially in these really challenging times. Well, good morning, everyone. And the fact that you have got me on the screen means that the general anaesthetic that I had yesterday, which is actually tomorrow, only went, yeah, well, it went probably as normal and I shouldn't be expected to be at a Sunday morning. It was all a bit last minute, hence the fact you've got me on the screen. We're not back in lockdown. It is just one of those things. Anyway, great to kind of be with you. So I've got this friend uh, who's got this beautiful house up in the Yorkshire Dales, uh, not far from Kettlewell. And uh, it is, I mean, it's not really ostentatious, but it's nice. It is really nice. Like the interiors are beautifully designed, really well kept. The gardens especially, are, they're really quite something. And him and his wife, they're really into organic horticulture. Um, they love their plants, they tend them, they do weeding. Honestly, compared to my garden, it is absolutely immaculate, but most gardens are compared to my garden. And yeah, man, stuff just grows, it's amazing. Uh, currently picking apples uh, at this time of year, but back in July it was the most delicious strawberries you could imagine. Then there were kind of leeks springing up out of the ground, even cauliflowers, which is such a beautiful, beautiful vegetable, aren't they? There's red currants, there's raspberries. Honestly, it's like being on a Jamie Oliver programme. And uh, they've even got a beehive um, where, yeah, you get your own honey and taste it. It is just a beautiful, kind of almost like a little taste of paradise. So five years ago, um, his wife had this amazing opportunity to go and work on this big solar energy project in Africa, which is something so close to her heart. And uh, now my friends, he was able to do his work from pretty much anywhere. So they moved out there and obviously they had this beautiful house. What are they going to do with it? And it just so happened that his brother at that time needed somewhere to live, also had a job that could work from anywhere. Don't we all want one of those jobs? And um, now they knew that at times his brother could be, yeah, not always the most reliable of people, but they decided to take a gamble and take a chance. And so they left him instructions, they showed him round. Um, I mean, he didn't know a thing or two about gardening, so you would hope things should be okay. But oh my gosh, two years later after the contract was ended they gave their brother notice they were coming back and uh, trundled up the b61 i'm trying to think remember the name of the road to kettlewell and uh yeah it didn't look good from the outside um as they got inside there was this beautiful kind of biscuit colored carpet no longer mostly biscuit never mind biscuit colored it was gruffy it was it was messy they had this beautiful wooden floor in the kitchen that they'd spent so much time sanding and varnishing and polishing it had big scratches on it that you were never going to get out with the best french polisher there was a cupboard door hanging off what had been an almost brand new kitchen they got these big patio doors and there was a crack in one of the windows 
if that wasn't enough, it was when they stepped outside into the garden that it absolutely, yeah, they had that kind of, you know when you've kind of got tears in your eyes but you're holding them back? It's when they stepped into the garden, they turned into proper tears rolling down their faces. I mean, firstly, where was the apple tree? Kind of, like, seriously, where was the apple tree? It was no longer there, and where it had been was this big slab of concrete with this, this horrible kind of plastic decking furniture sat on top of it. They're just like, what on earth has gone on here? And, and, and then they walked up to the fruit bushes, and they were dead. I mean, seriously, even the fruit bushes in my garden survive. They don't die, but somehow had managed to kill them. There were weeds, there was rubbish, there was loads of scorched bit, bits of earth that looked like you'd had a barbecue that was too close to the ground. They just took round in different places. Oh, it was ridiculous. The two of them sat down, heartbroken at this beautiful place that they'd effectively given to someone who they thought they could trust. But wow, it wasn't just the lack of care. It was almost like he'd proactively gone about wrecking the place and ruining this beautiful place. They simply just couldn't understand it. Now, our God has given us a beautiful home, with a beautiful garden, with all it needs to bring us joy and bring us delight and feed us and water us. He's left us some great instructions. He has trusted us. And I wonder what he thinks of how we're doing looking after this beautiful world of his. Genesis 1, abbreviated admittedly. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. God called dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let the land produce vegetation. And the land produced vegetation. And God saw that it was good. God made two great lights. He also made the stars. God saw that it was good. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. And God blessed them. That's the creatures, the birds. And he said, be fruitful, increase in number. Fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And God said, let the lands produce living creatures. And God made the wild animals according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness, so that they 
may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And God saw all that he had made and it was very good. This is the word of the Lord. And all the Anglicans said, absolutely, thanks be to God. God has made this planet, this home, this garden. And then he said, over to you. In Genesis 2, we see a little bit more detail around what he says to us, humanity. In verse 15, it says, the Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. I want to pull four Hebrew words out and I want us to take a bit of time to consider them because they are at the heart of what is often known as the Genesis mandate. So firstly in verse 28 God blessed them and said be fruitful increase in number fill the earth and subdue it. Subdue it. That is the word kabash. <laughs> what a brilliant, sounds like a DC comic, doesn't it? Kabash, subdue it. And really what God was saying there is like, you know, at times the earth is going to be hard to get good stuff out of it. And so you're going to need to subdue it. At times you're going to need to subdue animals so they can work with you to plough the ground and to till the ground. At times you're going to need to subdue the weeds and the rocks and everything that would work against good stuff growing. This is a good type of subduing. And then as well as kabash, we have radar. Basically the word to rule or have dominion over. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground is what the Genesis mandate says to us wonder what that means. What do you think it means to rule over the animals, the birds and the fish? We'll come to that soon. So we've got kabash, subdue. We've got radar, rule or have dominion over. But the other two words are found in verse 15 of chapter 2 that we've just read. They are the words abad. Now, abad has numbers of different translations, but often it means to work or to serve or, no, just to work or serve. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. To work or to serve. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work slash serve. And to shamar. To shamar means to take care of something 
or actually to protect it. So we've got these four Hebrew words that make up the Genesis mandate that God gave first to the first humans and gives today to you and to me. Radar, rule or have dominion over. Kabash, subdue. But then Abad, serve. I'm going to stick with serve because I think it's a very Jesus word. And Shema, protect. And I'm going to use protect because I think it's got so much to say to us today. So what does it mean for us as his people to rule, to subdue, to serve and to protect? So as always, when we think about what a particular few verses of scripture are speaking to us, it's good to put it in the big picture context of the whole story. And the whole story we see throughout scripture, we see an honouring of nature. We see an honouring of this creation and this place that God has created for us. We see the psalmist talk about the fact that this isn't ours, this is God's. The famous verse of the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So this isn't ours. This is, it's been loaned to us, just like the parable at the beginning of this, of this sermon. You did know it was a parable, didn't you? <laughs> I haven't really got friends that got a really nice house. And, oh, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? And that, none of that happened. But in that parable, it was, just, they were just, it was just lent to that brother. In the same way, this has been lent to us. We also see, don't we, in scripture, we see kind of the scriptures talking about the beauty of the, the mountains and the trees and, and, and the stars in the universe. We see abundant crops being a sign of people living in alignment with the way that God planned for them to live. And we see crop devastation tied in with when people live selfishly and people live against God's good plan of living lives of love for him, for neighbour and for creation. We also see the Bible telling us to take care of our animals. I love it that in Exodus 20, when God is telling the people to remember the Sabbath, he actually says, he says, six days you shall labour and do all your work. The seventh day is a Sabbath, a stop day to the Lord. On it you shall do no work, neither you, your son, your daughter, your male or female servant, nor your animals. Even the animals get a day off in God's economy. That is caring for his creation. So, how are we doing? Ruling, subduing, serving and protecting. Well, I don't know about you, <laughs> I think we've got ruling and subduing a bit too much, don't you? In fact, I'd almost put it to you, when God tells people to rule and subdue, how should we rule and subdue? Surely we should rule in a way that God would rule. 
Surely we should subdue in a way that God would subdue. We, we should be, we're supposed to be imitators of the divine, image bearers that bring about his rule and his authority. But the truth is that in the world, we've ruled more like the Babylonian oppressors. The Babylonian kings that we read about in the Bible and, and many other dictators since then who simply come and they, they, they oppress and they do everything they can to extract as much riches for themselves, regardless of the needs of creation or people or animals. Have we ruled and subdued like Babylonian oppressors rather than good, wise stewards that God has called us to be? We are called as well to serve and protect. Did you know that's part of your mandate as a child of God? Is to serve and protect. To serve and protect his creation. To serve and protect this planet. To serve and protect humans, animals, trees, plants, species, how are we doing there, guys? How are we doing? Let's just consider a few facts. Somewhere between 24 and 150, it's hard to measure, species go extinct every day. Yeah, every day. We are losing species to extinction every day. Day. There are 150 million metric tons of plastic circulating the world's oceans, with 8 million more metric tons being added annually. It's estimated that by 2050 there will be more plastic in the sea than fish. Serve and protect. And let's just talk a little bit about global warming, the heating up of our planet. I planned to do a visual here where I was going to get someone to lay down and put a duvet on top of them. So I don't know about you, it's, it's took me a long, taken me a long time to really understand global warming and what is CO2, carbon dioxide, what has it really got to do with it? Basically, God, in his goodness, has placed a blanket over the earth. And that blanket is vital for trapping in warmth so that we can grow stuff and we can live and we can have a reasonable existence. And we all know a really good duvet when it's on top of us. It's fantastic, isn't it? It's just if you get the temperature right, which I think you need feathers for, if you get the temperature right, it's wonderful. If you just put a thin blanket over the top, it can just change everything. Before you know it, you're feeling hot, you're feeling sweaty, your body's not working properly. You put another blanket on top of that and before you know it, it's unbearable. Effectively, this is what, is, what scientists say is happening with global warming. That as we burn fossil fuels and all sorts of other causes of it, basically... The blanket or the duvet that was perfect for the earth is getting thicker and thicker and thicker. 
They already believe it to be 48% thicker than it was at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. And they say that one and a half inches are being added every year. This graph that's now just appearing on the screen shows you the average global temperature compared to what it was in the middle of the 20th century. And you can basically see that pretty much every year before then was lower than average and every year since then in an ever increasing manner is just increasing and increasing and increasing. And this is having significant uh, impact. By the way, let's bring it all back, rule over, subdue, serve and protect. This is what God wants to speak to us as we think about all of this. Two very significant consequences and we are literally just doing this in a really soundbitey fashion. So the first is rising sea levels. So we all have all seen pictures, haven't we, of Antarctica melting? And uh, I don't know if you know how quickly it's melting. Well, a couple of stats for you. Firstly, it is melting six times faster than it was 40 years ago. So that's in my lifetime. It is melting six times faster than it was. And it's losing six Olympic swimming pools of water every I wonder what you think I'm going to say. Every what? Every month? Six swimmers of water? Wouldn't be too bad with it. Week? Day? Hour? Minute? No. Every second, it's losing six Olympic-sized swimming pools. And because of that, and a number of other different causes, sea levels are rising. Which is fine if you live on a mountain. It's not fine for the 230 million people in the world who live below one metre above sea level. And it may not be fine for the one billion that live below 10 metres above sea level. And all of this means that there is, a, it is, it is already being very accurately predicted. There's going to be mass migration. There are going to be people losing their livelihoods. And that, combined with what I'm going to talk about next, can also cause severe flooding and devastating impacts on livelihoods and communities. Because the second thing it's causing is more extreme weather. And again, this is already happening. This isn't something in the future. This is happening today. Where countries, particularly in the hottest parts of the world, where there used to be crops that grew well, are no longer growing. When there used to be predictable rains, they're no longer predictable. They don't come and then when they do come, they're so extreme, they wipe away any chance of anything growing. And it just gets more sporadic, more extreme, more hunger and more people losing their livelihoods, be it through flash flooding, be it, be it through crop failure, be it all of these different things. Oh God, serve and protect. I mean, this isn't just some random kind of, you know, this is, this is major international politics, isn't it? Back in 2015, world leaders met in Paris just as we're about to have COP26 um, in just a couple of weeks' time. Um, they met and they decided as world leaders, we are going to aim to keep temperature raises below one and a half degrees. And a recent report said the chances of achieving that is about one and they reckon there's less than 5% chance of actually staying below a two degree rise. 
it is, you know, some people say we're reaching a tipping point, others say we have hit that tipping point. And my guest preacher, who's coming in two weeks, definitely believes that we have gone past that tipping point. To quote him, I don't want to nick any of his material, it's not about is the bus going to crash into the wall, it's about what do we do after the bus has crashed, because it's going to crash, how many people are going to suffer as a result of it. And listen, I believe as an image bearer, I'm called to have rulership, dominion, to subdue, to serve and to protect God's beautiful creation. He's handed me the keys and said, enjoy it, man. It's there to serve you. It's there to to provide for you. And it's there to be served and protected as well. And I want to do that. I want to do, I want to honour creation as an act of worship. But I tell you what, a heart of love and compassion for those that are the poorest in this world is probably one of my biggest motivators behind my often feeble actions, behind my care on this issue. I serve a God who tells me to love my neighbour as myself. I serve a God who calls me to seek justice on behalf of the poor. And the climate emergency is probably not going to affect me that much. Sure, my gas bills might go up and I might be able to afford that. Even when bread increases in cost, I probably can afford that as well. The people who are going to suffer most, well, the people who are already suffering most, are the poorest Mass migration from some of the poorest countries and within some of the poorest countries predicted. Significant crop failures, meaning those that have subsistence living will no longer be able to subsist. And I believe we have to ask our God, we have to ask ourselves, how do I love my global neighbour in light of that? Now, I know that not everyone really believes in this stuff. In fact, If you're an evangelical Christian in America, there's a good chance you don't believe in it. And if you want to, you can go and find websites that basically trash the whole thing, say there's no problem, no temperatures rising. Maybe say, well, there are temperatures rising, but it's just a natural cycle. Or even, well, God's in charge and, you know, the Bible does say the earth's going to burn eventually. Hey, maybe they're right. Personally... I think world leaders gathering around this issue has to tell us something. Uniting around this issue has to tell us something. And I'm also really glad to say that because we live in the UK, this is not a political issue because every single party is committed to doing something about the climate emergency. Sure, some are committed to doing more than others, but there isn't a single political party. So this is not a political issue. I believe this is a worship issue and a stewardship issue in what God has called us to do. And suppose it turns out that it was just nature doing its thing. I put it to you that most of the things we need to do to try and fix this, less travel, less consumption, renewable energies, changing diets slightly, all these things that we need to do, They're not bad things to do anyway as part of our love of creation and our love of God. So if it turns out that it wasn't true, 
no harm. I love God's creation by living slightly differently. So, are we going to rule and subdue? And if we are, are we going to do it like a wise king? Or are we going to do it like an evil Babylonian dictator? And are we going to serve and protect? Are we going to demonstrate our love for God and our gratitude for this amazing planet by living lives of love, not only towards God, not only towards our fellow neighbour, our men and women in our communities and our global community, but also towards creation. And in doing so, take care of this planet for however many generations God has left to come. So, what I want you to do, well, I want you all to join me in a climate emergency protest in Bradford on Wednesday the 3rd of November and Leeds on Saturday the 6th of November. Okay, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know, most of you probably won't come. But some of you might want to come. I personally am more determined to raise my voice. I've done a lot to try and bring my lifestyle more in line, but realise that actually it's powers beyond me. It's governments, it's corporations. And so raising my voice and maybe raising your voice is the thing to do. And maybe that's not in a public demonstration, maybe that's on social media. You know, if you ask most leading environmentalists what's the most important thing to do, the answer they give is this. We want you to talk about it. Want you to talk about it. Because if you talk about it, you will do something about it. Talk to your kids, talk to your parents, talk to your home church, talk to your friends. And also, let's talk to God about it. Let's bring our prayers to him, especially as COP26 is happening. From the 31st of October to the 12th of November, let us be praying that these world leaders and the scientists that gather will really, really get that this is serious and also get that it is an important part of our worship of God, whether they acknowledge God or not. So recognise that when you do anything to love God's creation, to take care of this planet for now and for future generations, you do it as an act of worship. And remember that word abad, that means to work or serve? What it also means is to worship. It's another translation. I just want to finish with a verse. Because you could say that there's not a lot of hope. But with God there's always hope. And I just want to finish with a verse from 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So let us not fear this. And especially you teens, you twenties, who've got a lot longer to live in this than we have. Do not fear. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power, which means we can do something. He's given us a spirit of love, which means we should do things out of love for him and for our neighbours. And he's given us a sound mind. Let's listen to the overwhelming evidence of the scientific community. And let's worship God as we seek to love this planet together. Amen.
Thank you so much for listening. Hey, you made it to the end. That's even more encouraging. If you'd like to find out more about who we are, visit our website at thelightchurch.org.uk. We pray God's blessing on you now as you go into the rest of your day. 